Hello, and welcome to The Process, a podcast about creative people and their creative processes. I'm Kevin Hugerworth. I'm John Lee. John's Hello. Gonna, John. Okay, so for time of recording, and <laughs> I just like, time of recording is so fucked up on yeah, this show. Yeah, it's so irrelevant. But it's all right. uh, at time of recording, John's getting married this in three days. Saturday. Saturday. And today is Wednesday. August 2nd. Yeah. But not for you. It might be November for you. <laughs> Ideally. So, yeah. Uh, so hopefully it's been going well yeah. and by the time people are listening to this. And if it hasn't. It's going to go great. We're going to Disneyland for our honeymoon. <laughs> I, keep, I keep saying Ke- all these things. Yeah, that and are Kevin like, was like, wow, it sounds like a pretty bad honeymoon. <laughs> like, I was like, I think it'll be fun. And you're like, no. Uh, it's muggy is shit. Ob- is objectively bad. Well, okay, so it's muggy. I and- went there and some rides were closed <laughs> and it was hot. Uh, well, it's muggy today in Bellingham. And I, I was like, it's going to be like this in LA, but like 20 or 30 days degrees hotter um but this is like my fourth time ever going to disneyland i feel like you're from california we talked about this you're yeah, from california I've disneyland and people from california are just like to- i've lost track of how they're just like I've underwhelmed gone. by disneyland they're just like i have to stay in line i mean it's for a blast a i, I mean, like it but you have to find different things to have, have fun i yeah I, like, my 15th time like yeah i get it but like i i it's like well, my fourth or fifth time so I, I went to disneyland with my sister for the first time after no longer being a capitalist and uh <laughs> Or I guess I haven't been a capitalist for a long time, but I'm like very sure about it now. This conversation took a turn. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And I went and it was like just this most like you just see these families that are like probably poor. And this is probably like their one big vacation. Right. It's like one mom with like four kids and they are there's like two strollers. It's like here's here's a churro. (laughs) Pass it around. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I know that she probably spent like six hundred dollars to bring her kids here. And like. Man, it's just, it's depressing. It's like, oh, and like the kids are all screaming and the parents get a reduced rate. So if that makes you feel any better, but the kids look miserable, the parents look miserable, like everyone's miserable. And there's just like everywhere you go is a new way to spend like $5 billion on something that costs $2. Well, yeah, a bottle of water is like six. It's highway robbery. So basically what I'm saying is you're going to have a bad time. Have a bad time. (laughs) No, it's going to be fun. No, I can't wait. Space Mountain, Indiana Jones. Splash Mountain, uh, which is Indiana Jones was closed when I was there, so hopefully it's not closed. That's my favorite ride. Pirates of the Caribbean is my favorite ride. How is that your favorite? I mean, it's good, but like I don't think I don't think it's anyone's favorite. We were were talking about it earlier Uh, when I went with my sister. She said uh, she would watch me watch the ride because I like to see how Disney pulls their shit off. Because like Disneyland is truly magical. It's amazing how they make these rides feel seamless and real. Yeah, and like. Pirates of the Caribbean is like 15 minutes long, 20 minutes long. It's insane. It's like you just keep going forever and ever and ever. And it's so cool how they like hide the projectors and they like the ceiling just is really high. Like, and when you start out, it feels like you're outside. It's so, it's awesome. You know what ride is kind of scary is uh, Splash Mountain. I love Splash Mountain. It's a little like when you're going through it, I feel like the animals are kind of looking at you like, we're trapped in here. <laughs> like, no, they are. They are. They're, ter- yeah. Like they're trying to like, was like, oh, we're having a normal life, but really we're, we're being held here against our will. It's like Chuck E. Cheese vibes. Yeah. Really. And then you get to like the big drop and the buzzards are like, you're going to shit your pants. Like, <laughs> and then you do. And then it's like, it's a little, I don't know. I wouldn't take my yeah. kids on it. Well, the uh, Space Mountain also got re-themed as a Star Wars ride, which, oh, I, think is, which I think is bullshit. Yeah. Oh, man. It's called Hyperspace Mountain now and it's Star Wars. It is not. Yeah, it is. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every, I went there on May fourth, which was a big mistake. Yeah, that is a mistake. Oh man, I mean, I, I like Star I talk, Wars. Did I talk about this on the show already? I don't think you did. Okay, well, everyone had a Star Wars shirt on, and it was just like the most crowded I've right. ever seen Disneyland. Oh my God. And Disneyland's always crowded, but it was like 
insane. I was like, okay. Is I it forgot th- that Di- that Star Wars is Disney. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like a, a Thursday or something. And I was like, just I'm like, excited to see the Star Wars stuff, but I didn't know that Space Mountain was yeah. rethemed as Star Wars. I refused right. to go on Star Tours that day just despite uh, everybody. Oh, I'm 100% going on Star Tours. Yeah, they, it's different every time you go on it now. Or like, oh, really? There's like 50 different things or something. So it's like most of the time it's going to be a different experience. And then Tower of Terror is now different too. It's, I, uh, which I never, it, I never it went on so it. It was so good. Or okay, first of all, to it. it's Guardians uh, of the Galaxy now. Which is, is, is so rethemed. stupid. I didn't go to. I don't have an yeah. attachment to it, so I'm definitely Oh, go. I do. Uh, I think the Florida one was better. And I think that one's closed down too. I'm not sure. Probably. But the Florida one was cool because you uh, go through the hallway. So you sit in a little elevator seat and it goes up. And I think in the California one, it just uh, goes up and it's like a like just a big drop, big drop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh And it's still really fun. Yeah. But then there's this cool part in the Florida one where like you go up and they do the whole Twilight Zone thing. And then the elevator moves forward through like a spooky hallway. And yeah, it's pretty dope. But uh, I'm excited. Anyway, I haven't been on a California screaming either. Oh, that was apparently it's supposed to be really good. That was my first loop. -loop. No, it wasn't. But wait, was it? I don't remember. But I love that. ride. That's a good ride. They, when you sit in the beginning, they have like this countdown and they're, and everyone's standing on the boardwalk and they're just like, five, four, three, two, one. And then you get whiplash and they shoot you. And then and, you get whiplash. Yeah, and it's okay. pretty cool. Can't wait. It's going to be great. All right. Well, despite the fact that it's going to be hot and muggy and some of the rides might be close. Yeah. But it's going to be a good time overall. We got free tickets. so And I'm going to be texting yeah. you. Oh, uh-huh. the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I won't. I won't text you for at least a week because I want you to enjoy your life. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah who we got today? Who we got? Who we got? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know Andrew. who we got. It's Andrew. <laughs> uh, so yes. you've already heard his stuff because it was the yeah. opening. Th- it's the song. opening, and it's the transitions. Uh, yeah, he did. He's do, he does the music. Uh, probably by the time this comes out, we'll have our logo. Uh, Andrew, if you're listening, sorry that it's I've been bad about communicating. Uh, it's been a. It's this is been how a we hard communicate year. passively aggressively it's through hard interests. It's been a hard year for me, okay, and every year. Uh, anyways, we have Andrew Beach. He's a, a good friend of mine. He's got uh, a, a music project called Junko, and it's like dope as hell. Currently residing in San, San Jose, Jose, California. He's yes. also a graphic designer. I don't think we talked to him much about that. We might have we talked a little bit a little about it. Yeah. I think we talked about visual art. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a good episode. Yeah, uh, we talked about. Uh, how he's no longer a Christian, how he's uh, it's like, and he's like a, yeah. And all three acts are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Good. Yeah. Good definitely episode. get into it. Check it out. Check, check, check uh, it out right now. And we join them in a conversation mm-hmm. already in progress. Mm-hmm. And I want that banana on the, <laughs> want that banana on the mic. Some banana good, mic. Good banana. I'm going to turn, turn it up. If we sound heated, it's because we just got done talking about <laughs> Some intense uh, political stuff. I also have an empty so stomach and a lot of coffee, so yeah, heart rate's high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so we yeah we didn't we kind of like I just knew who you were I think or like I knew like people who knew I don't know we like, had friends of friends exactly yeah and then what from there I mean did you guys play shows <laughs> together or what <laughs> yeah we played a bunch of shows together um we've played a couple in my garage right yeah. Yeah, and you would come to a lot of the Troubadour oh, shows and that, too, that right? that was another reason I knew you, uh, I think, was because I was a fan of Troubadour. Yeah. Which was uh, his former band. What and happened to Troubadour? We just kind of stopped playing music. <laughs> oh, it's it kind of a, unfortunate. It wasn't like an epic falling out. It was just like, nah, it was... No, it was like a fizzle. It was really, right. yeah, mm-hmm. I'm actually still kind of bummed about it. I wouldn't mind playing more shows with Troubadour, but it's just, uh, you know, people get 
older and have kids and like yeah right Rob yeah. has two yeah. kids now yeah so like I don't I don't blame him yeah like, and and he's got his own business so okay you know like you've got things to take care of I understand mm-hmm. yeah I guess I guess his two kids are better than Troubadour <laughs> well, it was but just it, like, was, it was fun it was like yeah. a we were like a post kind of post hardcore or post hardcore yeah. I don't know Robbie called post punk but but. Uh, Maybe your first album, but like then the second album had like a lot of folk in it. Yeah, we had like violin and I don't know. It was fun. Uh, Yeah, are there projects that like you look back on and you're like, "Whoa, this is this is does not hold up," or you look back on everything and you're like, "Oh, this this pretty much still has value." I mean, I think anything (laughs) that I've made or had a hand in making, I look Uh back on with like a certain level of like criticism. Right. I just I always feel like. I could have done something mm-hmm. different, you know? And so certainly some things more than others, mm-hmm. you know, where you look back and you're like, oh, that was terrible. <laughs> and then there's some things where I look back and I'm like, that was, that was pretty good. Like, I, <laughs> good job, there was Andrew. merit. Yeah. I could have changed one or two things. You know, I right. definitely would have done this differently, but overall I, I like it. Oh. When but did yeah. you start, when did you start uh, writing songs? Um, in like high school, probably. Okay. I think I started playing guitar in like junior high. Right. And it was, what was like the main like subject? It was it like, you're like classic, like, I like a girl and she doesn't like me back or like, or, I mean, what, what kind of songs were you writing? So I, well, my first, like what really got me into music was metal. Like, oh, oh really? Like heavy death metal. <laughs> like we're sort of bands. I wish our listeners could see Andrew because I guess like, based, so based on his looks yeah. would not guess that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like bands I would listen to. Well, I liked a lot of the Christian metal bands. So oh, okay. there's like there's oh, like a really, really huge well, oh, I don't man. know if it's there if it's as huge anymore, but at the time it felt huge to me. Right. This like weird underworld of like Christian heavy, like ex- extreme <laughs> extreme metal. So it's yeah. like really, really like and speaking of things that low, don't hold up. <laughs> low production value and yeah, like yeah. really aggressive music. Well, but, what, are some, uh, what are some of the Christian metal bands? Yeah, like, I don't know. I can't even think of I can't any. even think of any. Well the one I one I really liked was Extol. They were like this Norwegian metal oh, band, yeah, interesting. but I listen to a lot of like not Christian metal bands too. And, sure. and especially now, mm-hmm. like that's, what's really lasted for me. Like, <laughs> cool. like suffocation, Nile, Opeth, like, I don't know any of these. Yeah. They're really, they're like on the far end of like extreme metal. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. cool, okay. Cool. But, but yeah, so that's kind of what I started playing. Like oh, really? I, I originally started playing piano okay. and, uh, and I didn't really like that. And then I started playing guitar and like, got into like rock music and like heard system of a down and Metallica. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like guitar music is awesome. Mm-hmm. I just have to give our listeners a frame of reference. Like Andrew wrote our theme song. Oh, yeah, We so, haven't like, even mentioned that yet. Yeah. He's, he's the guy that wrote our theme song. So that theme song, like he was inspired by system of a down. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's so great. Like yeah. I wasn't a system of a down in so long. Like are they still, I think they put out a new album. Like, oh, did last they really? Year. Really? I, I don't even I, know if they hold up. I'm not, don't quote me on that. Okay. I, I think they hold up pretty well. Really? Like, I listened to Toxicity yeah. not too long ago and I was like, this, this, is, this is so good. Yeah, it's uh, that album is still really good, I think. Oh my gosh. I haven't even, yeah, I thought they'd. <laughs> right. Was, no, was it holds up. Like a lot of, I don't know if I, would you consider them like new metal or like. Yeah, I think new metal is kind of like, I don't know. Honestly, dude, I'm so. Genres have yeah, gotten yeah, to be yeah. like such a nebulous description that I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. But That's yeah, new true. metal or like. 
heavy metal, I hard get, rock. Yeah, it just feels like that that era of like that kind of music. Like somehow it all was bad, but then like System of a Down, I like, came away with like it's still great. And, I don't know. And honestly, dude, the guys in that band are like genius. They're yeah, like, they're like computer programmers and like super super oh. smart, like classically trained musicians. Oh, they're, cool. They're really smart. That's really really cool. So that, I think that gives their music like a little right. bit more like substance. Yeah, or, like, yeah. quality. So what would you what would you call like Junko? Like what I, I mean, not genre wise, but I guess like what what inspired you to kind of shift in that more style? So I yeah, I was really into metal for a long time, and I I kind of like wrote instrumental metal music with my guitar and my computer, and just kind of programmed drums and bass by myself or mm-hmm. whatever, and just kind of made instrumental music from like most of high school, mm-hmm. and then I started like softening or not softening my music taste, but like broadening. Yeah. And I kind of started to realize that like my metal exceptionalism that I was like thinking this, that metal was like this pinnacle of like all that is good in music <laughs> Yeah, right. that just nobody understands. I was like, <laughs> okay, maybe that's a little extreme. Maybe uh-huh. like, maybe there's, there's good things in other music. So I started kind of like listening to other styles of music, like jazz and mm-hmm. classical uh-huh. and pop. And I was like, Man, even in the pop music, like there's a lot of quality musical concepts. Totally, yeah. That, right, I can, yeah. that I can actually take, and you could even apply them in metal. Like as far as like how do you structure a melody, mm-hmm. and like how do you, stru- how do you transition from like a heavy part to a quiet part? Right. You know, like really simple concepts that you could take from from like Katy Perry and apply <laughs> to like death metal. Yeah, you totally. Know? Right. And so I think my perception of music just kind of became like it's all meritous like there's something mm-hmm. good in all of it totally and yeah. it's just kind of like more fun as a challenge to like see what i can enjoy yeah there was uh sean harris from the matches kind of like when he they started doing maniac they started uh which was like his second project they did a bunch of covers and they covered uh party in the usa and they like mashed it up with born in the usa by springsteen that's awesome and he said like it's just a simple three chord progression and he was like but i was writing songs with the same progression and like scoffing at pop music he's like how can i take this same progression and like why am i making fun of pop music when i'm just using the same chords i don't like yeah exactly and that was that was kind of me i just realized like my hypocrisy of like Mm -hmm. i would look at rap and i was just like this is garbage these are idiots (laughs) you know and then and then people would listen to my music and they're like this is garbage you're an idiot and i'm like that's familiar like yeah i'm pretty sure i said that about your music and then i was like maybe i'm a little harsh and so that's when i started like you know opening up and i was like all right damn there's a lot of good music out here like i I still love metal but i just can't listen to it all the time because it's just I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to the art of music. Totally. There's just so much out there. I feel like sometimes I would like bash on rap and pop only because like I belong to like a certain social group. And so like that social group like expected me to bash. Like, yeah. So I would listen to it with like these uh, like filtered ears and be like, yep, this is bad. Like I just had like a bad attitude about it. The metal scene has like really highly opinionated people. Oh, And every Uh scene has it. But like the metal scene that I was aware of at least at the time was like, definitely fostered the idea that like metal was the best yeah everything kind of you know comes up to a point and metal is the top you know like <laughs> i remember kevin you you told me you had that feeling of hypocrisy with one direction you were just like oh one direction oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's like there was like a guitar riff and a one direction song like i was like so opposed to pop music and then brandon gross friend of the show yep uh, he played me this riff from a one direction song and he was like 
you would like if you wrote that. And mm-hmm. I was like, I would. <laughs> this, is, this is such a good riff. Like, this is such a good hook. Like, well, and if I wish I had written something, like, I can't say it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. dislike it. Well, and so, like, I think one of the first, like, non-metal things that really, like, blew my mind was Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was either, I think it was Seven Swans. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I just heard it, and I was just like, it's so bare and simple. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, it's like a banjo. Yeah. And a voice and like some reverb and it was just like it moved me so much and yeah, i was like right. whoa what is this and <laughs> totally. so you know then i saw yeah then i you know looked at the rest of sufjan's music and i saw like how diverse it was and it mm-hmm. really was just like man there's so much out there yeah. And so so yeah anyway uh, uh as far you- as junko like to get back to kind of your question i think mm-hmm. was like what are the like influences yeah yeah for junko like metal is definitely in there in the sense of like everything that I make is kind of an accumulation of like my experiences for any artist. But like, I think for Junko specifically, I try to like focus on simple, accessible progressions and melodies that don't feel stale. Mm -hmm. Like that's one thing that's really amused me for a long time is like something that's repetitive and simple and basic, but like that still sounds fresh and like feels energetic and like doesn't, doesn't tire you out. Yeah, totally. Well, like, I don't know. I love how on, um, at least like the, the most recent, uh, LP from Junko, like there's these kind of musical interludes that just sort of like transition from one song into the next. And like, I I love that because it just feels like you're on this journey and then, Oh, now there's like this like cool little, verse chorus verse chorus and then now there's like this like ambient just like soundscape i guess i don't yeah. know i love that kind of stuff yeah it's and so that's cool. that's definitely something that i feel like i took from metal like mm-hmm. as far as like song structures like i sometimes don't include bridges yeah. or sometimes it'll be like idea one idea two and then mm-hmm. that's it or it'll be you know just ambient and that's like a lot of the metal i listen to like one of the things i appreciated about it was that it challenged the structure of like a traditional song structure. Like Mm -hmm. where's the verse, the chorus, the bridge, those things are not necessarily in metal in the same way. You know, Opeth will be like, here's idea one and then idea two and then idea three and idea four. And we'll go back to idea two and then six, seven, eight. Yeah. It's like, what? (laughs) That's so cool. It's like this linear structure. Uh, I was going to ask like as a songwriter, this is kind of a question for both of you, but uh, like at what point in the process do you feel the most stress? Is it when you're right starting out or is it when you finally perform it live or Uh, live performance is definitely stressful for me. Like I get super nervous when I play live. Uh, I'm not a very confident singer. Okay. And so that's actually one of the things that Junko's like really challenged me is like being a singer uh-huh. and a like guitar like, player. And like the front man of a band too. Yeah. yeah. It's not something that I, I kind of did it like to challenge myself, but mm-hmm. it definitely still makes me nervous. Yeah, like, totally. it's, it's still a challenge. <laughs> yeah. 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 It never goes away. Like as a performer, like, yeah, like, people are always like, you still get nervous. I'm like, every time, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. always like I'm never not nervous. Well, in, in, What's the collaboration like for for Junko? Because you work with Jeremiah Diaz, who is also in Troubadour, and then uh, does the bassist kind of rotate, or like how does the collaboration side of it work? Well, so it started just as like my own project that I was just doing in, mm. by myself with my little eight track. Yeah, and then I kind of I kind of brought Jeremiah in and said like, hey, I I want you to be like the drummer slash. I appreciate your musical input. So any any ideas or thoughts that you have. Mm-hmm. I'm welcome. I welcome them. I'd like to play with them, but I've also written all this stuff here. So if you want to just start with learning this. Um, so the first album, the collaboration was very minimal. Gotcha. I basically recorded everything 
like except for drums. Mm-hmm. And then I gave them to Jeremiah and I was like, here you go. Like, <laughs> can you put drums on these? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, add some synths and stuff. And mm-hmm. like, um, but I basically gave him like almost finished songs. Yeah. Whereas this upcoming album is like, uh, much more collaborative. Like okay. I would write the song and then like midway through writing it, show him a demo. Okay. And he'd be like, Oh, what if you did like this or that? So it's still very much like, I feel like they're my songs, mm-hmm. but he had a lot more input and, and I appreciate that. Cause I think it's more interesting when you have more people. Yeah. Especially if they're people that have good chemistry and like understand, you know, Jeremiah, I feel like he understands what I'm trying to do. Yeah, totally. So when he takes or he makes a suggestion, I feel like I can trust him to say like, all right, that may not feel right for, for me right now, but I think mm-hmm. you might be onto something. Yeah. Well, what, what sort of like influences has he brought into the music that like just never would have happened or like some stylistic choice that only Jeremiah would have brought to the table? Well, he, I mean, he does a lot of the synths and stuff. Okay. So like I, I knew that I wanted some synthesizers and like a lot of those pads and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really have any ability to do that. Gotcha. Okay. So, so that's, he, that's like all him. I would basically just tell him like, I want like a, some, something low end. Mm-hmm. I want some low end in this section. here. <laughs> or like, I want something with like a lot of noise. Like I want something really like kind of like abrasive. Just like these vague. Sort yeah. Of, yeah. And, and I'd be like in like the middle area, mm-hmm. like kind of in between <laughs> these sections. And then he'd just like come up with something and send it to me. I'd be like, you know, either most of the time I'm just like, perfect. Sounds good. And yeah. he's like, well, what do you think about this or that? And I'm like, no, I like it. <laughs> I mean, so if you want to change it, that's fine. But right. every once in a while I'll be like, what if you did, you know, yeah, yeah. slightly different. But, totally. But yeah, the synths are like pretty much all him. Yeah. Cool. It sounds like collaboration. Does it come pretty easy to you? Cause like I'm terrible at collaboration. Like as when I'm like writing jokes and someone's like, how about writing it this way? I'm like, nope. Like, <laughs> like, it's like, Kevin, like I work with Kevin pretty well, but if there was like a third host, like it would be terrible. Oh, like yeah. we, I, I, I'm mm. terrible at collaborating. Like, yeah. Well, when Jeremiah and I, like Kevin said earlier, we played in Troubadour together. Mm-hmm. So we have like some musical chemistry already established through that relationship, that experience. Uh, so I think it, it does make it a lot easier and we like a lot of the same music. We listen to a lot of the Mm -hmm. same stuff. So, you know, we're constantly like, he'll send me a little thing be like, Hey, this, this song is super cool. I'm like, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Check this out. Oh yeah. Super cool. So we're kind of on the same page as far as like what we're like thinking about in relation to, to the Junko project. Yeah. Right. Um, so I want to ask you about like, how do you write your lyrics? Cause one thing I like about your lyrics is I feel like you have a lot of simple lines that like have a lot packed into them. Like they just hit me really hard and it's, but it's like, like you break it down. It's like, that's a really simple line, but man, there's a lot going on there. Like what, how do you start to write lyrics and and what are your kind of themes that you like to explore? Um, lyrics are like probably the hardest part for me, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, and the part that I think I often put the least like effort into (laughs) Yeah, totally. Cause like my, you know, like I said, I I started like really getting into music with metal. And I don't know if you've listened to like extreme metal lyrics, but like they're mostly unintelligible. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really understand them. And then when you can, they're like, you know, I hate you. (laughs) Just very angsty. Kill the people I don't like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're just like, I mean, there definitely are some cogent, lyricists within sure, the metal sure, scene, but sure, there's a yeah. lot of garbage. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> fantastic so, trash. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. trash. Exactly. <laughs> so my approach to lyrics has been, um, just kind of whatever comes out, whatever uh-huh. I feel like, like some of the songs I've written, 
I feel like they almost kind of feel like they write themselves yeah. in a sense that like I just start with some melodies and some chords and then lyrics just kind of fall on top of it. And oh, then cool. I just kind of throw away the ones that don't seem right. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this album, the coming album, I feel like I've put a lot more work into it and it's okay, been cool. a much more, uh, like I've, a much more considered process of like mm-hmm. how to write the lyrics. Cause the first one, I feel like, I just, it was kind of like, there were some song lyrics that I had written a long time ago and I kind of repurposed and, uh-huh. and I just didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. It was yeah. just kind of like whatever I felt like. Okay. This album, I feel like I've been going through a lot more like personal, uh, turmoil or <laughs> is that too strong? Yeah, I, I, I guess turmoil, turmoil works. Yeah. Personal. Turmoil is a strong Some word. new experiences. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. Some new, some new things and, uh. And yeah, just, I, I think turmoil is a good word. <laughs> yeah. Turmoil is like Batman helps people in turmoil. I don't, I don't like, necessarily mean it in a bad way, but like yeah, in a yeah. way that's been challenging and there's totally. like a lot of new, uh, yeah, just new stuff going on in my life. That's been, that's been challenging to deal with. And, uh, and so the lyrics like have a tendency to reflect that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but I also don't know like how, how much I want to reflect it sometimes. So like there's been several songs in this upcoming album where I've had to like go back Mm-hmm. change lyrics because uh you know i'll show them to jeremiah and he'll be like hey man i'm not i'm not really <laughs> sure i'm down to like communicate that message yeah and i'm like yeah yeah i feel you man I'm like and, and I'm, i don't want to put him in an awkward position where he feels like he has to be on the same page yeah, as totally. me right yeah so so yeah I, I feel like a lot of my lyrics do end up kind of being simplified uh-huh. into like a, a concept that I feel like could be relatable, but not very specific. Okay, cool. And, and I think that's something that I've like, there's a lot of lyricists that, that like Bonnie Prince, Billy, Sufjan Stevens that mm-hmm. have these kind of lyrics where you feel like it's really personal and like you really, you feel like really intimate and close, yeah. but at the same time you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Like <laughs> totally. it's like, he's making references to something that I should know, but I don't know about it. Uh-huh. And, and I kind of enjoy that cause it, I feel like it, draws me in yeah. to like the music. You're like, oh, what are you talking about? Well, and then it, it gives you kind of a chance to latch onto a line that might not apply to anything that you have experienced, but then you can kind of like apply it to your own life and be like, how does this ambiguous but like beautiful line like apply yeah. to me kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, totally. Well, and and it's like everyone has these experiences that we can share. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like finding that like meeting point where you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, even though like I may be you know, I never had a relationship with a person like that. Like uh-huh. that, that feeling is that resonates with yeah, me. Yeah, totally. So I think that's what I look for in a lot of lyrics is like a, a feeling or a concept that could be relatable mm-hmm. to a lot of people, uh, but not necessarily so specific Yeah, that I feel like I'm like exposing myself. Yeah, totally. Because a lot of the stuff is like from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Not all of it, though, to be fair. Yeah. There's there's some fiction. <laughs> uh, something sure. I always like to ask our musician guests is, like, how do you uh, deal with feedback and, like, where do you seek it? Like, because I'm, I'm super curious what that is as a comic, because as a comic, I'm just like, they didn't laugh. It was bad. Like, and, now, <laughs> and that's it. But, like, as a musician, like, how, how do you go about looking for it or processing it? I've just avoided it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's a great answer. No. Yeah. I mean, I get feedback, but it's, I usually do try to avoid it. So Uh uh when I get feedback, it tends to be positive. So that's actually maybe a defense mechanism. I don't, I'm not sure, but like, Mm -hmm. I, I I don't really seek out feedback. Uh Uh, 
because for the most part, this project has just been for fun. Yeah, like, uh-huh. totally. I just kind of like to make music and Troubadour is not playing anything. So it's like, <laughs> I'm, right. I'm not going to stop making music. Yeah. This is kind of what I do now. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's it. I haven't really gotten like, a lot Even of that after like a live show and people come up to you and they're like, oh, this was. Well, I do. I do go to the people that I, I know and trust and like, right. I, that, that know my music and uh-huh. I will ask them like. Hey, how did that sound? Like, excuse me, I'm like super gassy. That's right <laughs> totally it, fine. It's the coffee. I you have think. to edit yeah. that out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it all. <laughs> leave it all the gas. Just, just the gas. I'll get rid of like some of the insightful stuff you said. But. <laughs> Can we make it like a product placement for Bino? Yeah, yeah. We got a gassy What's guest. Bino? I don't know what that <laughs> you is. don't know Bino? No. Oh man, it's like a. <laughs> it's it stops your gas. I think. Yeah. Oh, I've it's never like, actually it's a, used it. It's like a gas X. <laughs> Well, we should try yeah. it. <laughs> Let's all do Bino. it. Now I have to keep yeah. the gassy stuff in because it's, it's, it's too good. Uh, Bino's um, not paying us anything. Yet. 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 Yeah. Uh, where, where are we? You, you, you look for feedback so, from people yeah, you trust. So, yeah. so I'll, I'll go to people that, that know the music, you know, like my mm-hmm. wife or friends that have heard mm-hmm. the the songs that I'm playing yeah. and, and kind of say like, hey, how, you know, just basic stuff like how did level sound? Vocally, was I like mainly on pitch or, uh-huh. or not like, and if not, which parts did you notice were specifically bad so that I can work on them? Mm-hmm. So I do, I do definitely try to do that. And if I can get people to like take videos of me, I do, I feel very vain saying this as <laughs> I say it, but like, I like to look back at it because I can see like, Oh man, that was garbage. Or yeah, like, totally. I actually think that part sounded pretty good. Let's do that again next time. Right, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but that I would say would be the main source of feedback. I don't right. have a lot of people really like, coming up to me and like telling me anything. Sure. Sure. Well, I'll give you feedback right now. I love Junko. <laughs> it's Thank so you. good. Thank you. End of episode. Um, uh, how, I guess how has like your overall uh, songwriting process changed from like Andrew now from like Andrew eight or nine years ago? I think I'm much more like aware of the fact that other people will be listening to the music. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas in the beginning I was kind of, it was very much just for myself and it was right. just like a personal exercise of like, I like to make music. I want to get better at doing it. So I'll yeah. just keep doing it. Totally. Um, and I wasn't really concerned about like what it sounded like so much. Cause I was like, no one's going to hear this except for me and a few friends. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. And now I'm like, okay, there's, you know, it's still very much like me and a few friends, but there's uh-huh. a slightly wider audience of people that I'm not, as close with that mm-hmm. are listening to it. Like I had someone, someone on Instagram found my Junko account and bought the CD and like, they're from Australia. <laughs> oh, really? so I had to like ship crazy. the CD to yeah. Australia. And I was like, this is awesome. That's yeah, so cool. That's awesome. Like yeah. super wow. random. Uh-huh. Yeah. But now someone in Australia has my music. That's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. And people in Bellingham too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I think that's, that's probably the main thing is that uh-huh. I'm just more aware that like, it's not just for me anymore. Right. Like, yeah. To a large extent, it is, but like other people will have access to it and 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 opinions on it. So like, yeah. to be a little bit more sensitive about like certain topics. Right. Yeah, totally. That uh, I would normally be so more this, reckless with. <laughs> totally. Uh, I think we can wrap up Act One pretty quickly, or and get into Act Two pretty soon. But mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about because uh, you're a visual artist as well, and you do graphic design, and I just wanted to know. Uh, like a little bit about that, I guess, if you want to talk uh, more about that. Yeah. So I do, um, I went to West Valley and took a bunch of art classes there and got my AA in liberal arts and, uh, focus on 
two-dimensional design. Mm-hmm. And now I work at a small print shop doing graphic design and, oh, cool. and production for like large format signage and stuff. Um, but in my spare time, uh, I just enjoy visual design. And so I like to design posters and uh, graphics for friends and stuff like that. Uh, lots of doodling and I got into like dabbled in screen printing for a little while and block printing. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just kind of into like visual arts in general. Yeah. Um, I've done a little bit of painting and stuff like that, but it's been kind of a more of a like secondary second tier type of interest. Mm -hmm. Um, it, well, I should say graphic design has been my interest as far as like a profession goes, because I feel like it's a much more viable career than music in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, do you do all the album artwork for, for yeah. Junko? Well, yeah. the last album, actually, I got my good friend Robinson to paint the the cover, uh-huh. the image on the cover. Oh, but cool. I did like the layout and stuff. Mm-hmm. This next album, I did pretty much everything. Awesome. Is there, do you ever feel like uh, there's like ideas you can communicate better through visual art than music? Or is music kind of like the, the best avenue for you to express yourself in that way? Yeah, I, I definitely think they're like very different mm-hmm. for me. Like... I guess they could approach the same topics, but it's just like, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. You know, like looking at something versus listening to something. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. I don't even right, know how yeah. to compare it. Like <laughs> For sure. in, in, in a sense that like they're both an experience, they're similar. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Visual art is something that I've got to like, my relationship with it is kind of like constantly changing and growing. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to, I feel like I've had a much longer relationship with music. Gotcha. Sure, music yeah, is sense. a much more like intuitive thing. Uh-huh. Whereas visual arts is much more of a, I feel like I still have a lot to learn. Gotcha. Right, yeah.
Right. Want to start us off, John? Yeah, and we almost revealed the identity of the tiny tagger on this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if you ever see a model train out there that has a tiny graffiti on it, that's the tiny tagger. The tiny tagger. But we won't say who no. it is. It might be someone in this room. It's a mystery. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> where I guess... I'm, I'm not, not, are you going to leave in give, that model train I'm bit? I'm going like, to give more context because like, I wish we had captured that. Yeah. I want to make fun of my friend Travis. We're, we're currently <laughs> at my friend's house uh, in San Jose, California, and we're recording in their garage. And my friend is really into trains and he's really, really into model trains. And we've always made fun of him because it's like, and it's like, it's really <laughs> endearing, but it's also really easy to make fun of. How much would you say, like, how much money would you say has, has gone into this hobby? If I you had know. to guess. I have no idea. He's been into it since he was a kid. So he just like has like, mm-hmm. we can look at this wall. He has like a workshop in here where he can just build model trains and uh, we had a great tiny tiger bit. I don't know if we want to leave this in. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't, I don't think it translates when we explain yeah. it. I think it needed to happen organically. It makes it worse. Tiny tiger? <laughs> tiny, tiny tiger. T- tiny tiger bit. <laughs> well, now we have to leave it in. Um, uh, for the second act, uh, we just like to start with uh, where were you born? And where'd you San grow San Jose, actually. Not, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. This is, this is my hometown. Not too far from here is where my parents still live. And uh, born in Good Sam, I think. Me too. Yeah. Nice. nice. <laughs> so. uh, and then uh, you already told me this, but for our listeners, uh, you have any siblings? I do. Yeah, I have a twin brother uh-huh. and a younger sister. Uh, and then how was uh, like growing up in San Jose? Was it pretty it's, chill? It's cool. I mean, like yeah, I, I, had, could... I had like friends close by that I could like walk to their house and like we'd go to the park and ride bikes and you know right. play soccer and stuff. I'm interested to know like what role you played in your group of friends, or did you? Did you have one? Did That's, you have any did, friends? Yeah. Did you have I, any friends? I mean, like, were you like... Besides the imaginary ones? <laughs> yeah, besides the imaginary soccer friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, Specifically, they played soccer. I don't know what my role was. I think I was... I tried to be goofy. I like to make people laugh. So I think I was definitely kind of a clown when I was... Yeah, would you say you were the class clown too? Like in middle school, high school? Or, well, was, or were you on the I Shire side? mainly homeschooled. Oh, so, yeah. Really? That's right. So I'm. it's hard to say. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, were you the funniest one in your family? Because <laughs> that would be the class clown. Yeah, uh, yeah. That would be. I, I don't know. Tofa's pretty clever. Tofa's <laughs> my brother. He's pretty funny. Tof, um, short for Tofa? Chris, Christopher. Christopher, okay. Yeah. Tofa. Oh, it gotcha. is? Uh-huh. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just uh-huh. thought his name was Tofa. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. it was yeah. short They used to be Tofer, and then okay. it got shortened. Now it's just Tofa. So, how, how was that, like being homeschooled? Like, I don't, did, was that. Did you like being homeschooled or? I mean, you... I didn't really know like anything else, I guess. Like uh-huh. we, we kind of did like a half homeschool, half go to public school, like okay. some, some of the days of the week. But my mom's a teacher. Oh. So she would teach English as a second language at night to adults. Oh, cool. And then during the day she would teach us. And then when we got into high school, we did like independent study programs. And I took some classes at West Valley. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, uh, how would you say like your family ultimately affected your uh, your music? Uh, they enabled it at least at, uh-huh. at the beginning. My parents paid for piano lessons and helped me buy a guitar and right. paid for guitar lessons for the first uh, you know year or two that I took them. And then mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, they were hugely encouraging for my musical ambitions because I was not into sports. My yeah. brother mm-hmm. was super into sports and. Uh, I was not. And they were like very supportive of that. So I appreciated that. I mean, like, where do you think like the, uh, the love for metal came from? I mean, was I think it like it was just more like a teen angst or was, I well, mean, yeah, I that was definitely part of it. Like it, I definitely identified with like the feeling of like, no one understands me. And right, like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like I'm 
destined to be alone forever. You know, like <laughs> I, I definitely resonated with those concepts, but mm-hmm. more than that, it was like right when I was learning to play guitar and it was like the first time I'd heard music that was really written for guitars. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause so much of the music that I'd listened to before was like my parents' music. Mm-hmm. Right. What and kind it, of music was that? Like, well, I guess my dad's music was like, you know, classic rock. So okay, like yeah. there was definitely some guitar music like Led Zeppelin, Eagles, like, mm-hmm. you know, CCR, like that kind sure, of stuff yeah. that, that really started. But like when I heard like metal where it's like truly written for guitar, yeah, like they're right. almost just like exercises. A lot of these songs, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, or it's like playing arpeggios. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like this music is really the pinnacle of like technical skill when it comes to guitar. Mm hmm. At least that's what I thought at the time. I don't know. It's kind of early to get into the question, but I'm, I'm already interested. So. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh, yeah. So do you deal with depression and or anxiety and how has that affected you creatively? Uh, yes. And <laughs> and uh, how is hard to say. Like, yeah. it's it's such a part of like, I feel like my own experience of the world that it's mm-hmm. just like it kind of just goes in hand with like everything else totally well and talk about like that your experience with it then so yeah i mean like i'm being like an art interested person like whenever you make something mm-hmm. that's an artistic expression for right. me i'm i'm just like extremely critical yeah of my own work and so like there's been times when like i'll go back and look at stuff that i've done and like just like get upset with myself i'm like why did i do that why did i paint that why did i draw that like yeah. you know why did i write that song it's right. so dumb and not not out of like i did something wrong but like it's just bad and i just feel upset <laughs> that i did something that i think is so bad <laughs> like low quality oh no you know and so that sort of like self-critical like attitude is very very much like a spiral i feel uh-huh. like of like right, yeah. you get you get into this habit of like doubting anything that you do mm-hmm. and then you get into the habit of, for me anyway, like doubting that you can do anything worthwhile at all. Yeah. And then at that point, it's like, oh, shoot, you're like, you're deep in it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Self-critical <laughs> turns into self-destructive like so fast. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And like, it's tough because you need to be self-critical to make right. anything good, I think. Yeah. You, you know, need, you need to have like, because you know your work more better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And like you see the flaws in it better than anybody else. And, and, and I think like if you're going to just, unless you know, there are people out there that are just like crazy good and mm-hmm. anything they do is just perfect, you know, or, or close to, you know, people who have perfect pitch and like yeah. really virtuoso level, you know, musicians and artists, mm-hmm. they can probably just sit down and do whatever they want. And like the majority of people will be like, great. Sounds good. Sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah. But like anyone who actually makes their own stuff, like knows all the ins and outs mm-hmm. and can be critical. And if you want to get better, you have to be critical. Yeah. But it's like finding that level of like criticism where you can say, all right, that's enough. Yeah. And now, now we're done. Well, in, in, uh, a lot of things I like in music are kind of like the flaws. Like I like to hear like a voice crack or like, I like to hear just a mistake in musicianship that probably got overlooked in production. And with, mm. uh, the first Junko release, like it is pretty lo-fi and I'm wondering like, was that intentional as like an aesthetic choice? Was that just like what you had available to you or, or talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Like it was Beth, definitely both, mm-hmm. uh, and Beth, <laughs> <laughs> definitely both an aesthetic choice and, uh, just kind of a cause of what I had available yeah. to me. Like I only had that little eight track yeah. and but it was also kind of like a fun challenge to see like, what can you do? Cause I used 
garage band for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was really happy with a lot of the stuff that I made out yeah. of it. Cause I just spent hours and hours like tweaking little, you know, settings and knobs and stuff mm-hmm. and finding like, Oh, if you do this, you can actually make this thing sound pretty good, you know? And so I kind of like the whole like DIY approach of like, take very few supplies and very limited resources and see what you can do with that. Yeah. Right. Um, and definitely a lot of the bands that I like to listen to use that technique mm-hmm. of like limited resources or intentionally using, uh, equipment that maybe is not designed to be f- used that way. Yeah. Because of how it's going to sound. Or, or kind of like, uh, John Darnielle, like recording into a boombox or yeah, something. Yeah. Like that yeah. Kind of stuff. <laughs> Definitely. Like, uh, all hail West Texas. Yeah. That album is so good. Totally. And, and I don't think it would be as good if he didn't record <laughs> it on a boombox. Uh-huh. <laughs> no offense. Oh, uh, uh, and, and so I want to unpack like, your experience with depression, anxiety, like maybe even, uh, apart from creative stuff, like talk about that a little bit, how that's affected you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it affects in like very basic ways is like <laughs> just being motivated to like go to work yeah. and like eat food. Do you remember like <laughs> what age you started to well, feel it's depression funny anxiety? It's funny. Cause like, I feel like I didn't really consider that I was dealing with depression and yeah. anxiety yeah, until yeah. like not too long ago, honestly, okay. like, huh. like, like in college, I think mm-hmm. like I started to think like, Oh, maybe this is like not a normal experience. Do you think that's because you were homeschooled? And so like, maybe you, like it's the, when you're in a social setting, that's when you start to notice that those kind of differences or. Yeah. Well, and it was like, I would get, I would get like really frustrated with something at home mm-hmm. and like, and just like lose it and be like shut down for yeah, like a yeah. day. And my parents were just like, what's wrong with him? Yeah. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know? (laughs) And then it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, maybe that's like, that's like the depression thing that people are talking about. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, that thing where you like were flipping out and you thought you were having like a heart attack or something. Maybe that's what that panic attack thing that people are talking about. Like (laughs) I've caught wind of these experiences. (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, it was just like not really discussed as like, that might be what it is. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was just like get it together. <laughs> you stupid right, yeah. moody teen. And not, and not in like a mean way, but yeah, just yeah. like a, mm-hmm. Hey, chill. Like <laughs> I kind of understand where they're coming from. Cause it's, it's irrational behavior. Right. Right. You know, but yeah, it's, it's, did anyone else in your family deal with depression or anxiety? I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. Okay. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, cause it can totally, cause I know from like some of our other guests, it's sort of just like, uh, you're fine. Like, cause yeah. they just don't relate. Like, it's like, Oh, like, uh, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was. I think it was Pearl was saying like the rest of her family was like, uh, I'm I'm sure you're okay. Like cause it's like they just like they don't get it. Yeah. Like, well, it's yeah. like it's like the kind of thing where if you're around a bunch of people who have not dealt with that, they just like they don't recognize the signs. They don't like it does just appear as irrational behavior. Right. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. What's it's like, wrong with you? Yeah. And and I kind of see where they're coming from. But <laughs> yeah. But now that I've had a little bit more time to like kind of reflect on it and see, you know, talk to like some counselors and stuff and like see, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this actually is like something that people deal with. It's not a normal thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, how, how has it, uh, really ultimately affected, uh, your relationships, whether that just be friendships or romantic entanglements. Uh, <laughs> romantic entanglements. <laughs> oh, you're, all, you're yeah. always getting, you're getting, those. you're entangled. Those, those entanglements. <laughs> Even um, though you've been married. <laughs> I think the main thing, yeah. Still, still married. Entangle- that makes it entanglement. Singular. Entanglement yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing is like, 
when I feel depressed or anxious, mm-hmm. I am just, I just withdraw. And yeah. so that's the main effect that it has on my friendships is, mm-hmm. is that I'm withdrawn gotcha. and I don't really like feel like making an effort to like be a friend basically, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very complex feeling and like, yeah, I, I, there's a, there's a lot more to that that I feel like I could probably go into, but not sure if I want to. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Well, well, I can say that like, uh, when I'm like going through a state of depression, I won't often tell my fiance about it until like three days later. And she's like, Oh, you didn't tell me that. Like that, when did that happen? And I'm like, I just needed like a full three days, like to my, like ha- keep that to myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just not ready to talk about it. Like as soon as it happens, like well, and, I just and, need a lot of time. Like, and for me, it's like, it sucks. Cause like, when I'm depressed, like I really need to be withdrawn as well. I'm like, I really need that time to just like sort through these things and just be miserable alone without like having to interact with people. Right. But then I feel this weird pressure to like still be a good friend or like still to be social. And so then I'll force myself in social situations and then I'll just be like sad or quiet. Right, and, like, yeah. and then I don't know. That's, that's partially why I like this show is cause I, I, I feel like there's this stigma in social situations where like, if you're feeling sad or depressed, like, you have to act like you're fine. You have to act like everything's okay. And right. Yeah. It, it's been so helpful for me. I'm sure you've experienced this, John, where I'm just yeah. like, I'm depressed today. And I'm, we have, I'm doing bad. <laughs> we, yeah. I'm just like very honest about like, I'm feeling horrible. We yeah. have to record this podcast. I'm going to try and get it together, but just know mm-hmm. that I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm yeah, not happy. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely feel like telling people that I'm sad is like not <laughs> not my normal state of like yeah. how I would respond I'm like I'm sad so just shut up and don't tell anyone anything like that's kind of my <laughs> response yeah. you know and just uh yeah just kind of like be mm-hmm. alone and uh, hope it goes away. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. There's always a part of my brain that's like, I'll just go to a party and like shock myself out of it. It's always like <laughs> the worst decision. I'm like, why am I here? Like, yeah, no, there's definitely been times when I'm just like, all right, I should go to a party, like just get my mind off it, and mm-hmm. I go to a party, I'm just all of a sudden like, it, it, like, like it, it makes it worse. Like, well, it's like it's like. I, I can like see how it would be shot in a movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I'm just like everything's like whoa. And, like the sound is just like cranked up and I'm just like and like this the camera like looks at my face and I'm sweating and I'm just like whoa. <laughs> I gotta get out of here and I just like leave. So I, Yeah. I, I, know, I know the feeling. Yeah. yeah. It's never went well, but every time there's a part of me that's like, this time it'll work. And yeah. it never does. I don't know why. Um, so I want to ask you, uh, if you want to get into it, like you, we mentioned the turmoil that's going to be on this, uh, <laughs> next album. Is there any, like, uh, what sort of turmoil it, is that, I guess? Well, so I guess the main, the main turmoil that I'm dealing with on the album is like, I stopped believing in the faith, the Christian faith that I was raised in, mm-hmm. uh, if, I don't even know, a couple of years ago, I think it was mm-hmm. at this point. Uh-huh. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. Um, but that was like heavy on my mind while I was writing a lot of the songs. And so kind of like I was saying how my lyrics are just kind of whatever, whatever flows out of me. I don't put too much effort into like, I'm going to tell a song or I'm going to write a song that tells a story about such and such. Yeah. It's just kind of like, here I am with my guitar. These are the words that are coming. Yeah. And the words that were coming were like pretty like personal and like, related to a lot of the the turmoil that I was dealing with in losing that faith that yeah, I shared totally. with, with a lot of my friends and family and feeling kind of alienated mm-hmm. and also feeling like upset about it. So there are definitely like times when I would write a lyric and be like, Ooh, that's a little bitter. Like, <laughs> like, or, or I'd write a lyric and, uh, you know, 
like I I, I kind of want to like say one of the lyrics, but like I'm worried like you know if anyone hears this they'll like you know immediately <laughs> hate me or something yeah. like that you know. But yeah, like kind of dealing with those concepts of like what do you believe in and uh, what does it matter what you believe in mm-hmm. and those are concepts that I found really interesting, but like I'm worried to broach those topics with like people that hold those things really dear. Yeah. Right. Well, what was that like? Cause I had kind of a similar experience where like, I kind of like went away from like uh, kind of around the same time, like a few years ago, uh, like left the Christian faith and, uh, it, it was tough because like so many of the people I was closest with, like still hold those values so dear. And so just, it was like the kind of thing I had a hard time even telling them about or like yeah. t- talking about. So what, what was that like having like so many people close to you who like still have their faith and, and then you're kind of like walking away, I guess. It's been really weird, honestly. Like mm-hmm. it was not something that I expected to ever have to deal with. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been very strange and I still feel like I'm unpackaging like a lot of, uh, like weirdness yeah. surrounding that. Um, the main thing I think that's just been difficult is like, it is difficult when you change your like beliefs on things. Yeah. And I like to talk things through Mm -hmm. and like, it's really difficult when the subjects that I want to talk things through are like really off limits subjects for like all of my family. Totally. So, you know, like I was saying one of the lyrics, I was like basically saying like, I feel better now that I don't believe. Yeah. And I was like, to me, this is a really freeing and like positive message yeah, but yeah. to everybody else I know it's like literally damning mm-hmm. like damning me to hell right how, how, so how do you start to open up to members of your family about this kind of stuff or have you <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny funny story okay I didn't really <laughs> they just kind of found out through, okay. uh, through the grapevine as right. it were gotcha I told some close friends mm-hmm. and um Word travels quickly <laughs> and uh, my family eventually found out before I really wanted them to know. So I, I kind of kept it to myself yeah. for a long time because I was like, you know, I don't believe in this. But at the same time, I, I see why people do believe in it. Right. And I think that there's real merit to believing in things. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate and uh, like I agree with a lot of the values that they have. And mm-hmm. so it was like I saw it as like this thing that was extremely divisive, but at the same time, like a really small thing. Cause yeah. I was like, I still have everything in common. I still mm-hmm. value caring for people and like empathy and right. You know, forgiveness. Like those are things that are really important to me and we share those still. So I kind of just kept it all to myself and was like, I don't, you know, guys don't need to know about this. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the more I kind of dealt with it, the more I was like, I do want to loop my family and friends in on this. Cause like, it's a big deal. Right. But I want to do it in a way that doesn't hurt their feelings Mm -hmm. because I know that if, you know, if you tell someone you don't believe what they believe, there's kind of like an automatic condescension. Yeah. Right. And I wanted to avoid that. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah, I remember I was really, uh, invested in my, my church growing up and I still go to church now. Uh, but I remember like there were two types of like kids that like went to church and that was like, maybe not two, but as I'm looking back on it now, there was kids that like, they only felt like they belonged in church. And then there were kids that like, they were just like hollow shells. Like they were just like, I'm just here. Like, and they're just, they don't know why they were here. Like I just show up every week and they're like, but they're, but they're 16. So they just don't, they don't know. They don't like, did you, did you feel that way? Like, no, I was like, I was like super into it. I mean, there were definitely kids that were more into it than me. Mm -hmm. And I was, 
I definitely felt like I had like a, a seed of rebellion in me where I like, mm. I was super into metal and like, <laughs> you know, I used that opportunity to like show people how extreme my music was because I wanted to like, you know, it was fun to like show people something crazy and <laughs> right. see yeah. a reaction, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so there's definitely like a seed of that kind of like, I like to be rebellious, but at the same time, I was, I was like a super, super cautious person growing right. up. I would never go off the big bike ramps. I would never like <laughs> do the big jumps, do yeah. the high dive. Like I'm, I'm a very cautious person. I would never go off the big ramps. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, the big ones. No, I know the big ones and I would never <laughs> like, do them. Like going off the curb. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I could do the curb actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I remember one, uh, <laughs> one middle school, uh, church retreat. I went all the way up to the high dive looked down and went, and went back down <laughs> yeah i didn't even get to the high dive but if i got to that point yeah. i would have turned away too yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah and everyone was like saw me go back down the ladder and they're like well, that's okay john <laughs> uh, so when your when your family did ultimately find out what were those conversations like it was rough man like mm-hmm. they were not happy yeah it was sure, like yeah. they were very disturbed that i would like not believe what they believed yeah and it was, it's still a, like a very difficult topic to discuss with them because, yeah. because it's like so emotionally entangled, you know, mm-hmm. like what, what you believe about the eternal fate of your loved ones is like a really important. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. when, when someone like comes up to you and is like basically saying like, I'm going to just like do all of the worst things to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's what it is from their perspective. Right, it's right, like, right, I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to just do the worst thing I can possibly do to myself. And I want you to like love me for it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and I want you to support me. And yeah, like, and, yeah. I yeah. Want you, and I want you to be encouraged because this is really a positive thing. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> it's I positive totally, that I'm going to hell. Like, this. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get why it's a, a hard topic. You yeah, know, yeah. like I've been there and I've had friends where, like, when I was, when I believe that I had friends that left and mm-hmm. I was like, I felt that pain of like, yeah. oh man, how could you do that? You know, <laughs> totally. But, but now I'm there and I'm like, ah. Oh, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I also wish that we could like connect on it. Yeah. You know, and like level. Yeah, with it. totally. Cause that's like, it's a big source of anxiety for me, you know, like being, feeling like I'm kind of in, at least in my circle of like family, like mm-hmm. one of the only people that really doesn't believe in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's kind of that like loner feeling that yeah. I get of like, no one wants to talk about what I want to talk about. Right, yeah. And I don't really want to talk about what they want to talk about. You know? <laughs> so I'll just sit here and, you know, observe my thumbs. Right, yeah. Or, yeah. Or like, you know, mm-hmm. make small talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this friend from high school uh, who told me that he turned away from his faith. And it was never like a, a question of like, can we still be friends? Because like, obviously we're still friends. And it's just interesting that now he's like, he's the person that I've always wanted him to be when he was in high school. Like, I'm like, I know this like person is within you. Like, it's like, come out. Like, I know like you're, you're a go out guy. I mean, he was always like, no, I just want to stay home. But like, I know like deep down you are. And so now like, it was, it was like from that point forward, he like became like the real him. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I was so proud of him. I was like, yeah, like it's like, it's the person we've always been trying to like pull out of you. Like, and we didn't know maybe that's what it was. Well, and 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 I wouldn't say like we would, I would isolate to that one moment, but mm -hmm. like it was, it was a lot of like, it was a mixture of stuff. I I can attest to that. Like, I I agree. Uh, I think it was really freeing to like leave the faith because I was super in it too. I was like, I was so just like into Christianity and I was like, this is like my thing. And then, uh, but I started picking at this thread because it was like there, there's like these small inconsistencies of like there's this value of like empathy or this there's this value of like wanting to care for people or love for people who are like, you know, lower than me. But like then there's this weird culture, especially in American Christianity, where like those like 
your political views don't align with like your, your Christian views. And so I started picking at that thread and I just like kind of had always assumed that like the, the higher ups in the church had thought about this. Like they knew what they were talking about. (laughs) Right. I had like this weird, I was too respectful of authority. And so I started to like, once I started picking at that thread, I realized like, this isn't me. Like I have these values, but I don't even feel like these are Christian values anymore. Like a lot of them. And so it was, it was really freeing that I didn't have to feel because I feel like in the, in the contemporary world, like, um, the way you apply these sorts of values just change and it's like constantly changing. And, and a lot of Christian people are trying to do it this other way that they is like really outdated. And so for me, it was frustrating of like, I want to accomplish these like beneficial things to people in need, but I feel like I'm restricted by this Christian faith. I have to like justify it within the, this, like these confines. Whereas if I don't have that anymore, I can just figure out what's the best way to help people and like do it in a, a really productive way. And so I don't know. Like it was just, it was like, I don't know where I was going with yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, like, but, but, but it's weird. It's weird when you have that. Cause I, I resonate with that. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's really strange when you come up to someone and you say, I, I want to keep doing these things that are like, like pivotal or like mm-hmm. crucial to the Christian faith that you have. Yeah. And they're like not supporting of it because you're coming from a different perspective. Yeah. And it's like, but but the end game is the same. Like we're, we're on the same team. <laughs> totally. Like, why are you against this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's one of the things that I have a really hard time with, you know, cause there's this whole idea of like, if you don't do it from my perspective, don't do it at all. Yeah. And it's like, that's not right. Yeah. We <laughs> also, get... I thought we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a label that puts you in a box and they take that label off. Of course it's, it's inherently freeing. Like, yeah. Yeah. um, like I almost never bring up my, uh, religious affiliation, uh, mm-hmm. just because like just immediately puts you in a box. Like I even have this bit that's like, I want to be a famous comedian, but I also don't know, want anyone to know that I'm a comedian. Like <laughs> as soon as the, a coworker is like, this guy's a comic, like boom, it puts you in this box and you're yeah. just like, Oh, like, <laughs> now, like I'm in prison in the comedian. Yeah. Box. Yeah, someone's well, like, tell a joke. Like, oh, it's the worst. Like, and that's how I feel about a lot of like religious, you know, denominations mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. You know, as soon as you say I'm a Protestant or yeah, I'm right. a, you know, whatever, it's like, okay, I have. You're already kind of occupying that box now, right? You yeah. know, like, mm-hmm. and and it's divisive. In addition to that, because it's like, oh, you're not a Protestant. Or yeah. You're not a you know, Baptist or right. whatever you know of the 20,000 different denominations there <laughs> yeah. are. Like, you know, as soon as I, I know that I'm not like that person or I know that mm-hmm. they're not like me, it adds that level of division. So like, you know, that's kind of my attitude for a long time was just like, don't tell people it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No one cares. Uh-huh. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? And yeah, I would, exactly. You know, every once in a while I'd like try and bring it up with someone and go really uh-huh. bad. And I'm like, yep. See, should have <laughs> shut up. Should have you know, <laughs> sh- never left my room. <laughs> yeah. You knew that wasn't going to work. start this act with like hey what influences you but then we, every time we've already covered that like maybe we should call yeah. it something what do you else like, what do you want to talk about <laughs> like uh <laughs> what bands are you currently into like, we talked about your high school influences but uh really really into bad bad not good right now i haven't even, i haven't heard of them what do they what kind of music do they play jazz oh cool and uh kind of like hip-hop infused 
like electronic infused jazz. That's awesome. Yeah, like, I need I need good jazz uh, oh, recommendations. Bad, bad, not good is bad, a good bad, place to good. start. Right. Okay, I feel like maybe I have maybe my friend Jack they're, recommended they're from them to me. Canada. I want to say Toronto. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're so good. Cool. Uh, yeah, and then I've been listening to a lot of just like ambient, uh, ambient music like Brian Eno's Plateau of Mirror. I think it's called. Okay. Uh, really, really good ambient nice. music for like drawing and that kind of thing. Do you have any current like guilty pleasure artists? Guilty or, pleasure, or particular songs. I mean, in general, yeah. I would say guilty pleasure is like top forties like pop right. type mm-hmm. stuff. You know, because I kind of, I kind of am not like into it, but I like to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, right, yeah. you know, I'll listen to like the new Drake or uh-huh. like. I forget what I was listening to the other day, but I was listening to some DJ Khaled or Khaled or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like, is he the, he's yeah. the guy who does like the mashups at the end of every year, right? Of like all yeah, the pop I don't, songs. He has like uh, so many people on his record. I don't yeah. know. It, it's it might it's be not else. really my like cup of tea, but it's just kind of fun to like see what's yeah. out there and like, because I don't really listen to like pop radio too much. Mm-hmm. Mainly, I have like KCSM Jazz and NPR. I like <laughs> yeah. my two radio stations, and then I just listen to like tape cassettes because I have a cassette player in my car so I go to the record stores <laughs> and I find the cheap cassettes so I've been listening to like Willie Nelson and uh and I got some Stones Throw tapes too oh nice like uh Quasimodo and MF Doom and stuff cool so I've been listening to like some of the like underground hip hop nice. and stuff I've been really into uh battles lately uh, oh yeah Robbie battles. actually showed them to me because they have a track that's on the, in Little Big Planet a game I really liked and then oh. Robbie showed them to me like four years ago and I never really listened to them and then like I've been obsessed with it. Like they're yeah. so good. Yeah, battles is great. When I get a really positive recommendation, it's hard to hate it. Like, okay, because yeah. I, you know, I look for the things that I, I try to like understand why another person would mm. like it, and I usually can find some stuff that gotcha. I enjoy. So if I listen to it on my own, I'm much more likely to just be like, mm, <laughs> nah, cool. But if someone tells me this is great, then I'll be like, all right, I gotta try. Right, you like, gotta do it. Like, a more okay, positive attitude. Recently. Yeah. I began to like Radiohead, which is like something I feel (laughs) very embarrassed to say because I know they have such a long and distinguished career. But like it wasn't until Moonshaped Pool that it really like clicked with me and I was like, this is great. And now I can go back and I can like even start to appreciate like a bunch of their older albums. Uh But I remember getting, you know, I think it was Robbie who gave me several of their albums and I listened to all of them several times through and I was just like, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've maybe now that you've said that I have to go and like listen to Radiohead cause I've never quite connected with them, but they're like the indie band that everyone loves and like they've been around forever and like before indie was a genre or whatever. And like, I don't know. Everyone... But it was like one of those things that because Robbie gave me such a glowing review, uh-huh. he was like so ecstatic about it. I was like, I need to like this. <laughs> totally. And it was just like a real challenge for me to like find something to grab onto. Gotcha. But now I finally got it. Well, now I just want to like ask, have you listened to this and do you like it? Because I respect your music taste so much. <laughs> I, have you, are you one of those? Did you listen to Bomb the Music Industry at all? Uh, yeah, I, I, not recently, but I, I, there was like a summer where I was working <laughs> at Starbucks and riding my bike to work every uh, day. And I listened to them like every time I would ride my bike. It was okay. great bike riding music. See, I never, I never listened to them when like they were really around, but now Jeff Rosenstock, the, the front man for that band, he's like doing his solo stuff. Oh. I can't recommend it highly enough. He's oh, man. Uh, off to listen. His first release is like, it's pretty good. Um, but his second release, We Cool, is like my favorite album of all time right now. And oh, then man. he just put out a record called Worry. And it's like, 
it's like this punk concept album that goes through every subgenre of punk. Like there's ska, there's like kind of a hardcore <laughs> yeah. song. Like it's it's really cool. I, I affirm these recommendations. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin turned me on to Jeff right. Rosenstock. That's, yeah, that's yeah. my biggest recommendation. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've ever been to an artist like at the right time period. Like yeah. last year, I really got into NWA. <laughs> like <laughs> like when I was in high school, I got really into Eminem. Like around like two, like 2009 when like no one else was into him. I'm like the Slim Shady LP is amazing. And everyone's like, we know. Like, <laughs> well. I, if it, I can one up you. I just like a couple months ago heard the uh, Infinite album, Eminem's Infinite album, yeah. and it like blew my mind. And I was like, <laughs> "This is so old." Yeah, and I'm just now hearing this and right. thinking like, "Wow, Eminem is really good." Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, I've been listening to a lot of Mozart recently. My dad yeah, would be okay. like, when we were kids, my dad like sit us all down and force us to listen to Mozart, and we're like, "Put on some Backstreet Boys." Like, <laughs> and now like uh, I'm just I guess the. What I'm trying to say is that we're all our parents. There's no, there's no. <laughs> well, avoiding it. I think the the band that like I'm most disappointed it took me this long to get into. Oh, bomb the music industry is kind of one of those. But uh, Fugazi, like I I got Red Medicine like three or four years ago, and yeah. I just like I was like this is good, and then like. I would say it wasn't until like this last year that like that album really clicked with me and I started going through Fugazi's like whole discography and man, they're amazing. Like they're, they're this like hugely influential band that I just like never connected with. I'm finally like, oh yeah, Fugazi. They've been around for a while too, right? Since like the late 80s? 80s, yeah. I think, yeah. I yeah. Know. Yeah. I think Red Medicine's the only album I have. Yeah. That one's 95. I just remember that one song. I think it's a bed for scraping. Yeah. That's my favorite that one on song the album. That song is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I made it. We, we did this game uh, on the drive down here because we, we came down for the listeners. We came from <coughs> Bellingham to San Jose, which is like 14 hours. Yeah. And so we did this thing where uh, it was me, John, and Jane in the car, and we would pick a theme for three songs and we would each get one song to fit that theme. And uh, I think we did 90s and Bed for the Scraping was my pick. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best, song, the best road trip game you'll ever play. Good, like, that, it's so I, good. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah it, like because we were playing like traditional car games for a few hours mm -hmm. and then we, we just stumbled upon this music game by mistake and it got us through basically the entire trip. Yeah. And it was like somehow so entertaining to just learn music from each other and like show each other music and right yeah it's like the theme is middle school anthem go yeah. and like <laughs> that's like, awesome. it was so yeah, great it was yeah cool. that sounds like a much more fun car game than the ones i am used <laughs> yeah. to playing yeah uh so are there any uh like shows or movies you're watching now um i watched stranger things a while ago i still was, i've seen the first that episode and good. that's it i've watched the first episode of a lot of things and i'm like no. I don't, yeah i don't really get like super into tv shows like breaking bad was the one where i was like I felt like I was getting really into it. Yeah. And then by like the fourth season, I was just so tired of it. Really? What? So, that's the, what? That's the, the best, best season. That's the, that's the best, the best. You have three huge Breaking Bad fans in this room. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. Every time I say this, I feel like people always flip out. But yeah, I haven't finished Breaking Bad yet. Oh, you mean you finished it? Correct. You stopped. You, you got to season four and you stopped. But I finished oh. Stranger Things, all one season of it so and see, far. That, that I'm like baffled by because Stranger <laughs> Things was good for like four episodes. It was great. I, I wouldn't even go as far as saying it. it was great for four episodes. And then it was garbage for like six episodes or however many were after that. It was hot trash. Hot Fantastic trash. trash. Fantastic. Hot trash. Hot trash. <laughs> I mean, that's another Kevinism. Uh, we are clipping the yeah, yeah. Oh, man. By the way, for our listeners, when Kevin says there are three Breaking Bad fans in this room, he means me, Kevin, and also Jane Mitchell is here. 
Like I, I thought it might be confusing because like, like Andrew not, obviously not, hates not the it. three of us. Like. Also, I have schizophrenia. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's another. There's another. Side also, there's him. one person who records all the parts for this podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess we'll. I guess we're gonna delete this episode. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you only. Like, uh, uh, right. well, I, I didn't know we were gonna have so, a, a Breaking so Bad aside hater. Aside from <laughs> no, I'm not a Breaking Bad hater, and I do want to finish Breaking Bad. I just. You know, when I, you I'm get, just not super right. into TV. It, I right. think that's what it comes right. down to. Yeah. Is like that's my favorite storytelling I, medium, Andrew. <laughs> I I start watching and then I like start drawing and then okay. I stop watching TV or I I do something else and you know totally. I just would rather like go for a bike ride or what I don't know. Why? I'm just not really that into TV and movies. Oh my Doc- god, documentaries! <laughs> I like documentaries. Okay, a lot. Sure. What's your favorite documentary? Favorite documentary? Yeah. yeah. Or, or something that makes the top um, five. Man on Wire was great. Which I one thought. is that? I've definitely heard of that, but I can't remember which one it's that is. It's about a French guy named... I don't remember his name. French guy. <laughs> yeah. Jacques? A, Jacques? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we could go with Jacques. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, when the, the, two, the World Trade Center towers were being built, mm-hmm. he, uh, like, Highline tightrope walked across. Oh the yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Literally a man on rope. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was uh, man, on it, wi- wi- man on wire. But the documentary is just like really. Uh, if you like storytelling, okay, I recommend it because it's just like a really a beautifully told story. Okay. Have yeah. you seen? I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I, uh, I'm going to do a bit. Have you seen <laughs> Indie Game the movie? No. Uh, well, somebody mm. who's featured in that movie, Edmund McMillan, we interviewed him yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I've seen it's on. Is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Yeah. I, I have to watch it. I highly recommend it. Uh, be careful because on Netflix they have like these deleted scenes, and it's called like Indie Game Life After. Don't watch that one. Watch the yeah. one that's called Indie Game the Movie. Uh, I told I made Robbie watch it, even though he's like not super into video games, and he's he really enjoyed it. I tried to get Jane to watch it. She well, like she made know, me turn it off after ten minutes. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, I will say I'm not super into video games, but I did love King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. That, that was another Oh, I haven't watched that that's one. An, what? I know. How can you, I don't know. How can you get mad at me about Breaking Bad? <laughs> it's not that I don't like this it. This is a double standard. <laughs> All right, I'll watch it. First thing, like tonight, I'll watch it. I guess it's not really a video game. It's like arcade games, but it's, yeah. you know, predecessor no, 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 history. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of it and I've no, like it's, wanted it's to watch a, it. It's a very entertaining documentary. That's, that's the one about the guy who gets the high score for Donkey Kong, right? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. yeah, it's very entertaining. <laughs> it's a great documentary, my, I think. My favorite documentary is I Know That Voice. Have you oh, guys seen it? I saw that it's one. It's so good. It's about voice acting. That was cool. it's, it's all about uh, just voice actors, and it's so because I just love cartoons. And like the guy who plays SpongeBob was talking about like, yeah, it was a hard voice because like you have to do this thing where. You can't like deduce his age from the voice. It uh-huh. just has to be like this. He's not a kid, but he's not an adult. It's like just this weird this mix. Perfect middle, and yeah. I'm just like, that's so weird. Like, how old is SpongeBob? Like, I don't know how old yeah, he is. Like, I guess I don't know. Like, he doesn't have a license, but uh, like, he's not a kid though. Like, uh, is he a teenager? Like, I blew my mind. Like, John, this is slightly unrelated. Well, it's kind of related because it was you just brought up voice acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you clearly have a radio voice because like me and Andrew <laughs> will be talking loud and our levels will still be like normal, and then you'll just be like talking normal and your levels. <laughs> Be through the roof, and you're turned down like you're half as high as we are. Like over here, <laughs> it's just well, so, I'm here. You have like this beautiful piercing. Thank I you. Not piercing. It's yeah. like be- it like comes clearly in these microphones. It's pierces, beautiful. Pierces through the through the through this pop filter pretty well. Yeah, you, you could know. do some audiobooks. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you gotta get I a better co-host than me. Like my voice is all right, <laughs> but your voice. I, ooh. 
beautiful. It's like butter. <laughs> it's like butter, John. Mm. Mm. That was such a good voice. That was such a good, such a good reaction. Your voice. Mm. <laughs> like butter. Like butter. Like butter. All right. Let's. That's the end of the episode. Uh, let's see. What else can we talk about? What else do we talk about? Mac three. Um, I don't know. You shit on stuff usually. Oh yeah. What's yeah. something I can shit on? Give me something. <laughs> I guess you didn't say anything about what's, movies. Oh, yeah, or, like a, yeah. You said you don't like movies, which is like a bad opinion to have. Well, but. I did see a really, a really bad movie. I think okay. I, I hope we can all shit on. Yeah. yeah. Suicide Squad. I didn't oh. see it. I didn't you, see it. Okay. Well, I mean, don't. I think you could probably still shit. Oh, on I would it. say yeah. like I didn't, I <laughs> yeah. didn't see it because it looked like the worst movie I've ever yeah. seen. Well, <laughs> it's it is bad. <laughs> in my opinion, you can it, totally disagree with me, but it, I, I haven't think it's really bad. found anyone that likes it. It's an entire movie of suit up scenes. Yeah, <laughs> like, and like and like, like catchphrases. The, like the entire movie, it's like let's get the squad together and suit up, and that's the whole movie. Oh like, my gosh! Like. <laughs> And it like it like starts. It's like a like a song that's like they're all suiting up together. And I'm like they're suiting up again. Like I like how many? It's I, it's not possible. Like and, yeah. and the roster draft. Like who who do we got on the roster? We got Harley Quinn. We got Deadshot. And they do that I think three times. And I'm like yeah, but they don't do it for everyone. It was yeah. very confusing because mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you, there's like I'm not a comic book person, so I don't mm-hmm. know like the comic book world. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not familiar with all the characters. Right. So like they do those little introductions for like Harley Quinn, and I'm like all right, Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. cool. I didn't know about her before this now I do and then all of these other characters show up and they never get introdu- uh, introduced and uh, I was very confused and then <laughs> and then they get killed and I'm like you just don't care because you don't know who they are it was such a bad movie yeah well, I, and, and, and Jared Leto's performance of the Joker is really ask. disappointing yeah I've heard it's yeah. just like not good he, it's like, just like he worked so hard to get into that character I know and yeah. just like, it's just like a bad impression of Ace Ventura like it's just yes <laughs> it, really, it just sucks Ace like, Ventura that's hilarious I hadn't thought of that like Jim Carrey would have knocked it out of the park but they got I don't know but they got Jared Leto they should have like, gotten it should have been Ace Ventura lead <laughs> suicide score like exactly that, that sounds like a better movie I would I'm sure I would have liked it more. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Ace Ventura holds up. I, I watched it recently. If you, it's not good. But yeah, it, like I think I, I even bad Jim Carrey movies. He commits so fully to his right. characters. I think we might have talked about this on the show before. But like, I just like seeing him do weird characters because his right, physical yeah. comedy is like top notch. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that comedy. I think it's dead now. Um, the like the like the over top like facial expressions yeah. he makes the and like fire marshal. Uh, what is right, it? Fire yeah. Marshal Jim or whatever, uh, or the gosh, Police Academy. Fire Marshal Gary or something. Oh man, Those man, it's were Fire Marshal something. Good Jim Carrey moments. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> like his, his whole face like changes. Like yeah, with his well, and just like the way he like can, he walks as a character sometimes. Right, just, like, yeah. like uh-huh. the Grinch where he does like the sneak or whatever. And he's <laughs> yes. just like, like no one else could do that. I think like, the Grinch still holds up. I think. Oh, the Grinch. Of, I, uh, I haven't seen it recently. I, guess. I think I don't know. almost out of all of his movies, it holds up the best. Um, which is. Which is weird because it's it's like a Dr. <laughs> Seuss book, but well, uh, Dr. Seuss was a, a very smart person. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. So well, you know, I feel like that. The, I feel like the the weaknesses of the Grinch movie are where they kind of deviate from Dr. Seuss's yeah. vision, right, yeah. it, where they like try to make it weirdly adult or like have these weird innuendos, and you're like, that's not Dr. Seuss. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's the uh, someone told me like when there's something about like when you read a Dr. Seuss book as a kid. And there are like these words that aren't words and these creatures that aren't creatures. And you never question it. And you're like, yep. Yeah, this is this <laughs> yeah. is fine. Yeah. yeah. And you're just it's like, yep, this is a story that makes sense to me. It's just good world building. And then yeah. like, and then one day you reach this age and then you look at it and you're like, uh, this is uh, influenced from drugs like or something. <laughs> and you just like have this shitty view of it. And you're like, oh, this is a representative LSD or something like that. And it's just like, what happened, what happened to my childhood? Like, no, I, but, uh, that's probably not true. I feel like yeah, it, it just, I don't it think just it takes, is. It just yeah. takes an author like Dr. Seuss who like, he probably really just understood kids or like yeah. he got like what they how they view the world and like yeah. he knew how to communicate
appreciate that. Well, he's know. he's like an incredible visual artist. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's amazing. Totally. He, yeah, uh-huh. he actually did a lot of like anti-Nazi propaganda. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I've seen some of that. He's yeah. actually like a really high concept like artist in my opinion. But right, yeah. but people know him for his children's book, right, which uh-huh. are you know a little bit lower concept, but yeah. but still like executed with the same sort of like. Grace, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that they all have some sort of like hidden meat. I don't even know how hidden it is, but I think like I'm pretty sure like Horton Hears a Who is about like abortion. Yeah, the turtle one is is basically about Hitler, right? Yeah, you're you're the turtle, as I recall. And then the cat in the hat is about ah. Cats. A cat, yeah. cat in the hat. Not a cat. Okay, yeah, unless I'm and reading the thing, into that one. one. Thing too, how do you? It's pretty obvious. Really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we actually, yeah, we could get into the takeaway yeah. now. I think. Um, so the takeaway: if people were to like just fast forward to this one <laughs> soundbite, what do you want them to be left with? That was me. Fast forward. Not. I wonder if anybody does that. Like, I'm just going to go to the takeaway. <laughs> that's nobody, a, nobody that's does. a challenge. <laughs> um, I don't know. You can take I some mean, time to think about it if you want. We'll, yeah. we'll cut down the thinking time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think like, I guess the takeaway for me would, for this discussion would be kind of centered around the idea that like making, like expressing yourself is a challenge and like people don't really like you to express yourself, <laughs> but you can still learn about yourself that way. I don't know. That's pretty convoluted. No, <laughs> sure, no, I love it. Great. Yeah, it's great. I, I, love I it. just, yeah. I guess, I feel like making art or expressing yourself through whatever means, whether it's visual or mm-hmm. musical or you know, literal, whatever means you have, is a is a means to understand yourself. Yeah, and so even if it's not something that you can share with people because of differing viewpoints, it's something that's still worth doing mm-hmm. for your own growth and understanding awesome yeah that's great i love that i love it cool um so do you have anything to plug i guess like maybe the new album or yeah the new album should be done soon uh hopefully it's in the currently as we speak in the final mixing stages and then we need to master and uh and that's pretty much it so and hopefully we uh like depending on when this episode comes out, hopefully we heard like one of the new tracks in yeah, the yeah. interludes. Yeah, so. Hopefully, and at the very least, we heard you your in the, theme song. In the theme yeah, song. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so yeah. always, thank you. I'm very honored to have. <laughs> yeah, it's have my music yeah, it's amazing. podcast. Cool. Uh, so you got any plugs, John? Uh, at John Lee two seven one. That's my Twitter. All right, that's it. Twitter for me yeah. uh, at k underscore hoog. Uh, oh, follow us at the, at the process podcast. Oh yeah, the yeah. process. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, I guess no, no, the actually it's just process podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we also have a Patreon where yep. you can uh, pay us to do this, which mm-hmm. no one has done yet. No uh, Patreon.com. Yeah. If you want to be the, the first, process. you get, we'll give you a shout uh, out. You can go to Facebook.com/slash the process John Kevin mm-hmm. SoundCloud. Dot com such the process of John Kevin. You can just find us on iTunes. Subscribe. We please. usually do this at the. Uh, oh, I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, YouTube.com slash what a nerd show. I don't know if that's going to make a comeback yet, but <laughs> if we, we had Edmund on, so I feel like I have to plug my video game right, uh, yeah. YouTube channel. Uh, and yeah, thanks, Andrew, for coming on. Uh, Ricky just walked into the Perfect garage. Perfect timing. He just interrupted our ending. So. All right, we got to start over. Great. (laughs) Wait, hit that button. Thanks for listening to The Process. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, be sure to like our Facebook page over at facebook.com slash The Process with John Kevin. Uh, Subscribe over at SoundCloud if that still exists. Uh, And I don't know, you can subscribe on any podcasting app. Go go find us on iTunes. Find us on all of it. Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Process. That's us. And join us next week. Wait, what about our Twitter handle? Our Twitter at Process. There's so many things to plug. At 
process podcast twitter yeah. yeah there you go and join us next week for mari minjo did i say it right yeah i said it right yeah cool All right cool thanks guys thanks